Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Boostly podcast. This is the podcast that gives hosts the tactics, the tools, and the training, and most importantly, the confidence on how you as a host can get more direct bookings. My name is Liam Carolan, and I'm Mark Simpson's co-host. Today, we are going to go and dive behind the host uh, on the mini-series on the Boostly podcast. And this is where we really dive into somebody else's business. This is uh, successful and interesting host and hospitality owners across the world and where we dive into their business and learn their tricks and their tips and things that you may be able to take away an action within your business. So today we're actually joined by uh, Josh Goldstein. He's from Bunkhouse Worldwide and you can go and check out his uh, his properties at bunkhouseworldwide.com. Uh, so welcome along Josh. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Uh, obviously the word bunkhouse you know, I, I, I love and that that sort of has uh, loads of uh, sort of visuals of, of the type of places. But first of all, where does the name Bunkhouse come from? Where are your properties in the world? And uh, what does the business look like? How many units and where? So Bunkhouse comes from, um, we actually have a cabin in uh, the Smoky Mountains. And one of the rooms has two bunk beds. And my kids, it's probably their favorite cabin because they each get their own bunk bed, even though they don't need it. <laughs> they just think it's fun. They could have one bed to play in, one bottom bed that they sleep in, and it's their own. They don't have to fight over it. They think it's amazing. In general, our family likes to go on, vaca on, on vacations that are almost adventures. And so we just try to make up these fun, um, even if it's just a little trip, it's an adventure for all of us. And so my kids have embraced that they'll run out into the surrounding areas and just try to make forts and, you know, just their imagination goes wild. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like bunkhouse evokes a just sense of fun and adventure. And that's kind of why we chose that. I love that. And uh, just so we know, uh, how many properties do you look after and, and whereabouts in the world? Uh, so we are up to 20 doors right now. 11, 11 of them are short-term rentals. The others are long-term rentals. Um, nine of them are in Smoky Mountains, Tennessee, one in Idlewild, California, and one in Big Bear, California. Nice, nice. Um, so very much sort of wild places to to go and hang out and and have fun at. I love the name Bunkhouse, and I, I really got the visuals of, you know, I've, I've got a five-year-old myself, and just having fun and just exploring and all that cool stuff is, is just so important. So take us back to before uh, you've, you've started hosting. What did you do before this and what gave you the hospitality bug? So um, I actually still do it. I'm a, I'm a freelance producer. So um, I've done a little bit of everything. I've done a ton of music videos. I've done some film. I've done some TV. Uh, but really, I landed on doing commercials as my main thing. And it's fun. It's, 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 it's something where I get to work with different people that I like and the projects are different every single time. I guess part of the problem, though, is I am freelance. So if I decide to go on vacation with my family, I'm not only paying for the vacation, but I'm also turning down work. So it's almost like double paying for a vacation, uh, which is hard to get past. And even more so, um, in 2015, uh, an unexpected diagnosis came where I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And um, it was at a point where we were renovating our house. I went into debt to renovate the house. Um, this is before I had any uh, investment properties. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know how I was going to pay for everything. And and the doctors basically said I wasn't going to be able to work for who knows how long. 
And so um, I luckily had a good network of family and friends that helped me out, but it was a scary position to be in. So, you know, you think it'd be obvious that if you don't work, that you don't get paid, but I never thought that would happen to me because I liked my job and I was pretty secure with what I was doing. But this other thing just came out of left field and, and blindsided me. Hey, that is, you know, first of all, whoa, that is, you know, sort of a scary thing to go through, but how, what happened from there? So that's 2015. So you've, you've had the diagnosis and, and like you say, you've, uh, you've got fortunately great friends, great family. And, and they say, you know, your, your network and family around you is just, just so important. Um, what happened from there? How sort of talk us through, obviously, you know, uh, what, what happened from there and how you got started into, into hospitality? Well, besides realizing I needed something else income wise outside of my job, I did, I was able to read rich dad, poor dad during that year. And, you know, that year was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, a lot of it is a blur, you know, our kids were much younger than it, but, but we were just getting by and we were trying to just focus on healing. So I read it. I was super inspired. I was actually almost frustrated with myself because I, 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 I was, I was mad at myself that I didn't realize that this, this earlier. And, um, it's, it's something where I've always liked real estate. I've always liked design. I've always liked values of houses, but I just never knew that I could be uh, an investor myself. I just thought that was someone else that had tons of money and, you know, I don't know, just seemed out of reach. So I read that book and it was like a brick to the head during that year. I, I couldn't really do much with it because I was just focused on, um, healing, but oh, I always had a back. Yeah. I always had in the back of my head that this was the plan when I recovered and and kind of got back on my feet that that's what I was going to do. And that's kind of was my turning point. Well, first of all, let me just say, you know, sort of uh, congratulations on, on the recovery and, and, you know, sort of beating it and, and for, for, for being here to talk to us today, I'm sure there's Thank a lot you. of people listening to this who, uh, first of all, are inspired by the story. Can you talk us through the, the kind of looking back the steps and the challenges that you had to go through to, to get where you are now, you, you just mentioned that you never expected to be an investor in general. So what looking back changed and why? Well, I'm sure um, you and, and most of your listeners have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, to me, it's more of a mindset book versus an actual real estate book. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't teach you how to do it. Um, so once I did recover, um, I did I jumped back into work pretty hard to get out of debt and and kind of get back on my feet. But while I was doing that, you know, in LA, you know, even a short commute is an hour with traffic. So I was in the car a lot. I start. I found bigger pockets. I started listening to every podcast I could. I started listening to audiobooks. Um, I was just dove in as hard as I could. And you know, as I learned more and more and more, I started to realize that it was obtainable. And that was that was the main thing. And the whole while I was working, I was trying to save. I was being as aggressive as I possibly could so that I could financially start putting money towards these investments. And so that's that's what really dropped me off was was being in the car a lot. You know, it resonates with me what you're saying there because if it wasn't for for audiobooks, podcasts, I wouldn't have got started on on the journey. And and there must be so many people who have been inspired by this information that let's face it, 30 years ago, we may not have discovered in the ways that we've discovered it, which has put us on this path now. So it's really amazing that, you know, people can uh, truthfully change the mindset, change their beliefs, and then actually start to take action when you get the the how. It actually, it's given you that why beforehand. And like you say, being in, uh, you know, sort of the the health 
uh, condition that you was that you needed to make a change and 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 to do that, which is really awesome. So, yeah. when it came down to uh, getting your first one, what what year did you get your first one, and uh, what was it like? So I actually got my first, I was in analysis paralysis for several years, I got to say, while I was learning and I was looking at different markets, I kind of had shiny object syndrome and I finally landed on, um, my first deal was a long-term rental um, and it was turnkey. And it was after I had listened to a podcast, I was kind of adverse to turnkey because I wanted the equity, I wanted everything. But then when they broke it down, it kind of made sense. And I was like, for our first deal, especially, let's just jump in and let's do this. And it was, um, I got, I remember getting the email from a uh, property management company in Kansas city and it was a holiday special. It was a $70,000 house, three bedroom house in Kansas city, Missouri. And, um, I, I did the comps and it looked like it was worth around 90. So I was like, Hey, there is some equity in there. Um, there was already a renter in there for 800 bucks a month. And um, I decided to go for it. Uh, the lender actually wound up backing out two weeks into the into escrow. And yeah. it was because the underwriter said uh, they didn't feel comfortable because it was a property management company selling it versus a traditional real estate uh, avenues. And uh, instead of backing out, I actually um, had some money saved up at the time and I wound up buying it for cash, which was yeah. the biggest blessing in, dis in disguise because when... I went to go pull money out and refinance it. A month and a half went by, I got an appraisal and it appraised for 116. And so I was able to pull out $74,000, which is my initial capital plus closing costs. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got a free house. And as soon as that happened, I was supercharged. I was like, I can't believe this actually works. I have a free house. I know it was, you know, it was cash flowing maybe 150 bucks a month or something. But I looked at that as like a savings account that was worth now $116,000 that someone else was paying into and I have no money into at this point. Quick break from the podcast to let you know that the two Boostly books that we brought out, the Book Direct Playbook and the Book Direct Blueprint are two of the top rated and the best selling in the hospitality category on Amazon. For just two pounds, you can grab both of those books right now. The foundations and the structures that you need to put in place is in the Blueprint. And then for 101 marketing tactics, that is in the playbook. So go and grab a copy on Amazon now. Just type in book direct playbook or the book direct blueprint, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. I mean, it's it, even now when I hear it, and I get to hear it more than I used to about people who can pull their money out of property investing. And it's one of those things which I still look at it and just go, wow, as if this is a thing that we can all go off and do, and you're basically getting paid to invest. It is, it's just amazing, isn't it? What was the moment where you looked at it and you went, hey, I've got a couple of long-term rentals. Obviously, at some stage, you got the hospitality bug. What would you say is uh, your favorite? First of all, why did you move into more the hospitality side of things? And what would you say your favorite thing is about being a host? So um, it was another podcast I listened to. I listened to Avery Carl, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you and, and your listeners have heard of. Um, and this was still, it was early 2020. Listen to her uh, scheduled the call. I talked to her for probably like an hour and a half, just about cabins and Smoky Mountains. I had never been to the Smoky Mountains before, but everything that she was saying just made so much sense. So my wife and I started looking uh, at the MLS and we found two cabins on two acres of land. It was a 3-3 and a 2-2 for $635,000, which was a much bigger investment than my first uh, $70,000 house. Um, but, you know, it, I I I I believe that it was going to work. 
So we went out there for the very first time during inspections in February. And we did like a whirlwind tour. I, it was my wife and my two kids. Um, so we tried to do and see as many things as we could in that weekend. And, um, you know, we we got to closing time, which was March 2020. And as everyone knows, that's the day, the day I was closing was the day everything shut down. And I texted Avery saying, I don't even know if I could sign because I, I don't know if I could find a notary that's open. And mm -hmm. so she said she, you know, everyone would understand. Um, she also mentioned that a lot of people were backing out at this time. And if I wanted to back out, I probably could. And um, no one would be upset about it. And I thought about it, but I decided, you know what? I don't mind taking some time le learning this business and figuring it out before guests start coming in. And, you know, it was a little scary because I didn't know when everything was going to open back up and, and you know, everything like what kind of event ever happens when everything just shuts down and there's no travel, there's nothing. It was crazy, right? So I was kind of running towards the fire, but I mentally said, I'm okay with paying the mortgage for a while. Let's just learn this. Let's interview cleaners. Let's interview maintenance people. We'll swap out the linens that we have to swap out some furniture that we need to and kind of go from there. And that's what I did. And my very first booking was the 2-2 cabin, and I, I did lower rates quite a bit, um, and it was in April, but the first family rented it for 28 days, and that covered all my costs. And then right after that, the 3-3 started renting, and it was profit, and immediately I was, I was hooked. And I think to your second part of the question in terms of like what, you know, what do I like about hospitality, in my job uh, as producing, I, I feel like I'm kind of in the hospitality business. I know that seems weird, but I'm catering to, to many different parties. Like I work with the direct director closely. I work with the ad agency closely and then I work with the clients closely. And it's like, there's three different entities that might have conflicting ideas that I need to kind of manage and make sure that everyone's getting what they want out of the whole entire process. So I almost feel like my career... Uh, prep me for the hospitality business and and the craziness of some guests and the the pleasantries of other guests and stuff like that because you know it's like not every job in in production is going to go the, the way you think it's going to go so you just have to approach it and figure out how to solve it. That's so true, and we see time and time again when we speak to to awesome hosts from across the world that actually is being in hospitality is about people and if you've been in a job role where there are people and you're dealing with different demands wants you know feelings and that sort of things it's exactly the same in hospitality that you're just managing people's expectations and delivering aren't you this uh it's really cool and That's i've right. got to give a shout out first of all to bigger pockets mark simpson our, our founder and uh who's uh, you know the the main host on on this podcast he was on the bigger pockets podcast recently which was awesome as uh, a big deal and i only just started listening to the bigger pockets podcast after oh. that and I feel that like I've discovered a world of awesome <laughs> information. So I, I was one of them people who I hadn't heard of it, which I know is strange. But oh, that's funny. Yeah. Over here, I, I mean, some of our audience is UK and, and Europe based. So sure. I recommend anyone listening should go and check that, that podcast out. I, I, I actually was recently interviewed on it as well. And that was oh, kind maybe. of a dream of mine especially for listening it for so long. And I, like I, I heard Mark's uh, pod, you know, his episode as well. And it's, it's awesome. And then I know he was a big fan as, as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. 
You you also mentioned Avery Carl and the the um again he's he's been on there and she is just doing some awesome things. She's absolutely rocking yeah. uh, the information that she shares and like you say to to help you along your journey. It just goes to show that you know some people say um, about not investing in training and and in 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 the people who have walked that path before. But I'm one of the people who just look at it and just go, well, how else are we going to get that knowledge so quickly apart from going off and making all the mistakes? You know, what's your yeah. opinion on if there's somebody out there who's considering learning, first of all, property investing or hospitality, what would you want to say to them? Is that something they should consider and, and why? Uh, I mean, a thousand percent. Um, you know, when I started working with Avery, her company wasn't as big as it is now. And she was just based in the Smoky Mountains. And um, she was still offering, you know, the resources that you need to to kind of get up and running with your first rental and and any questions you have, but um, they weren't as structured before. So, so after I closed, um, instead of you know, Luke, her husband, uh, hosts these webinars and kind of like goes through all the processes with a bunch of people that have just recently bought from her. But back then, it was more like here's a list of people that we like to work with. Why don't you start interviewing them? And we'll go through some things. And then if you have questions, just call or text us. And so it was a little more personalized, which is awesome because, you know, being nervous running towards the fire, especially during this COVID time, it was great to like text her and Luke at the same time, like, hey, there's a guest that's asking for this. What am I supposed to do? Is this normal? Is this not normal? And so it was kind of reassuring. But now the structure that they have, and there are so many more investors that I feel like people can reach out to, you can do that on any of these like Facebook groups or platforms and and kind of get a lot of those questions answered pretty easily now. So it's it's pretty great how, you know, I think she really helped blow this up and and kind of make the education of this space so readily available. It's so important. Is there any preconceptions before you became a host that has changed over time and if so, why? You know, funny enough, I I think I had used uh, Verbo and Airbnb like maybe less than one hand. You know, like like very few times. I gotta say, mm-hmm. uh, which is strange because um, being married with two kids, it does make more sense to me to pay the same amount as I'd pay for a hotel, but actually get several rooms that we could actually sleep you know, more comfortably than getting shoved into a studio hotel room. So I I don't know. Like, I I think when I did those few rentals, when people would respond to me when I was doing an inquiry, and if they did it quickly, I was always like taken aback. I'm like, oh my God, they're responding so quickly. But I never really realized it's like one person or a couple or whatever that's, you know, it just comes up on their phone and they can respond really quickly. I always thought it was this big corporation that was kind of managing it and and you know they would get to your inquiry whenever they could so it, it's interesting to me that and maybe this has changed because i i do know that their management companies used to be a little more or a lot more prevalent than self-managed uh owners so i feel like the self-managed owners it's nice because you get it more of a personal touch yeah, whereas definitely. back before i started owning um i I had such a different conception of this whole thing. It was crazy. You know, I just thought it was big corporate people or, uh, you know, it just seems so un- un- unobtainable. 
That's really interesting. I've never really thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right that for for new users of, of Airbnb, they they would they they may think it is Airbnb responding and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just being on the other side of the coin now, it's it's interesting to see, isn't it? So you've had some really great advice and and sort of mentors and people um, on your journey. What would you say is one piece of advice you've received about the hospitality side of things that you still hold to be true today? I think a great piece of advice would be whatever market you're investing in, who is the core guest that's going to come and which guest do you want to attract? Because I think there's a big difference there because there's so many different types of people and that you could cater to. But if you know what you want to rent, what you want to, who you want to rent to, it makes all the difference. And, and like, you know, we started a little bit more turnkey and we quickly moved to value add um, just because we love design and we love to kind of create these spaces where it seems like a fun adventure and great design and whatnot. And every time we're doing that, we're thinking about the market and who we want to rent to. And so, I mean, a lot of times, selfishly, it's like, well, we want us. We we want us as renters because we know we're going to respect mm-hmm. respect the place and and we know we're going to have fun. But you know, like it, we're going to appreciate good design. We're going to appreciate these these certain things. So. That's usually what we go after, but I think um, it also depends on the market because we do tweak our designs and our our takeaway dependent on the market that we are actually renovating. Yeah, you're so right. We like to host ourselves, don't we? Like you say, that's that's absolutely like families is is who I like hosting because I've got family myself. But you mentioned there was things that you tweak. Can we deep dive? Is there anything in particular that you do to attract that family avatar? Yeah, I mean. Let's say for, um, we have an A-frame or we have two A-frames, but one, the one in Idlewild, uh, in particular. So it's a very small cabin. Um, and it's funny because my kids, you know, we always tend to buy smaller places and my kids just are saying, you need to buy a mansion. You need to buy bigger. <laughs> they just, you know, whatever they're eight and 10, they just want these large houses yeah. for whatever reason. But their a- the A-frame there is a two, one. And I think that is their favorite place of all time. And I think part of it is it was during COVID, we were renovating. We went up there a ton. We almost lived there because school was virtual at the time. And we just thought about like, as a family, what do the kids like to do? Why are they having so much fun? Because they're not seeing friends. There's like, we couldn't visit people, Mm -hmm. but there was forest all around. And when we were out there, like um, there was like, uh, a deck out back that was maybe three feet three feet wide uh, that you could stand. And that's actually where the view was. And so three feet didn't really do much because you could literally stand there, enjoy the view, and then walk back inside. So one of the big expenses was we blew out the deck and added on like an 18-foot deck. So now there's like a table and benches and Adirondack chairs and a barbecue, and you could actually hang out there and 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 relax. And the meanwhile... While my wife and I are out there, the kids can go out into the woods and play around and make forts and whatever, and they're always within earshot. And that's mm-hmm. that's the rule that we have for them. Like, you could go explore, just be within earshot of the balcony so that's that we cool. could always communicate with you. That really sets the scene. And exactly how you're setting the scene there is exactly what when we're booking places and particularly, you know, some of the uh, the Smokies and, and places like that is what people uh, envisage, isn't it? They They want to go somewhere which is safe um where people can explore where they've got a space outside space especially like you say barbecue and that sort of thing that's that's what holidays are all about so that sounds really awesome 
Is there any pieces of tech that you use within your business which has helped your um, hospitality journey? And uh, in what ways have they helped and why? Um, I mean, I think the biggest uh, piece of tech that that has helped me automate um, a bunch is my property management software. We use Guesty for pros now. We just switched over. And just messaging, as long as everything's going well, I feel like I almost don't have to do anything to the, you know, the guests. It's it's all automated at the time. Obviously, problems arise and we have to deal with it. But other than that, like all the automated messages feel make them feel like they're being taken care of. And they appreciate that and they express that appreciation. And, um, you know, one of the thing that, and this doesn't have to do with tech, obviously, but when people do complain, I take it seriously. So in downtimes, a lot of times I'll do big changes to cabins so that I don't get those complaints in the future. And the main reason why, not only to make it nicer, and I know it goes to the value of the ultimate house that I'm renovating, but it's also to save my time for the future. Because mm -hmm. I feel like as I do that, it's just less complaints I'm going to get and the easier everything's going to be later on. There's, there's something which uh, I've, I've put into my business called Kaizen, which is plan, do, check, review, you know, and, and you're, you're constantly just, every time we get some feedback, we've got this process where we go straight onto the maintenance list. You know, we, we, whatever it is, we take it seriously and go and get it done. And from doing that, that just saves you letting big stuff stack up or, you know, multiple complaints, even if they're just small little things, it's still worth nipping in the bud, isn't it? And um, that sounds like it's, it's very similar in, in Bunkhouse. So, well, and, and, and even more so like when things slowed down a little bit this year, I think for a lot of, uh, uh, vacation rental hosts and, um, we actually took the time and did some things that maybe people didn't com complain about, but I just, I knew that I would enjoy it more. Like I replaced all the appliances at the ones that had older appliances. I got rid of like any carpet and bedrooms and, or in the cabins at all and put, you know, LVP in. And just made everything just a bit nicer so that when things do start to speed up again, I don't have to worry about trying to shut it down and and uh, shut it down and and try to renovate at that point. I mean, like you say, just learning as you're going along, which is just so important, isn't it, for for hospitality, but in any business, it's just uh, it's the tweaks we make, isn't it? So absolutely. Um, looking back, so you've now been hosting for how many years? Uh, well, I started my. My first closing of the cabin was March 2020, so, so almost almost three years. Three years, amazing. So looking back, what would you say has been the biggest wow moments, moments which you would say, hey, that really was a notable change and, and something which I'm so glad I'd done that looking back, but you didn't necessarily know was going to work going forward? I think the biggest one was maybe my cabin in Idlewild because I, I had purchased some things in the Smoky Mountains, and it's a very proven... Um, uh, market and there was a lot of data there. Mm -hmm. Idlewild. Um, someone, a friend of mine, basically said, "Hey, you got to check out this small mountain town. It's so amazing. It's so cute. It has the nice, the coolest looking vintage cabins out there, but they're all outdated. There's very few that have actually updated and made it comfortable. And so when we went out there, we saw this A-frame, and it was. I mean, like everything we looked at is so cute. The town is so charming." Um, but it didn't have things like air conditioning. It didn't have a hot tub. It didn't have the grill, like with the big, big deck in the back. And that's what we wound up doing. We, we, we put in probably about another $80,000 into that cabin, um, to make it 
like we kept the charm of the A-frame, obviously we love the A-frame, but air conditioning was a huge thing. And we, we kind of like, we gambled on doing this in a market that people don't necessarily do that. And I think it's worked out great because people always comment how comfortable they are. And it's like one of their best vacations that they've had. If you're struggling on how to get direct bookings and overwhelmed on where to start, then I recommend you go and book in a call with Boostly and our team right now. We can walk you through exactly what we're offering, how we can help you and give you a portfolio of websites that we have worked with that are matching not only your niche, but could be in your location as well. Boostly has helped over 2,000 hospitality businesses all over the world increase their direct bookings. And if you are interested, then all you need to do is go to Boostly, B-O-O-S-T-L-Y dot co dot UK forward slash call and book in an appointment with one of our sales team. And where do you market your properties at the moment? Is it is it just Airbnb or is it other places as well? So I'm on Airbnb and Verbo, but um, I am in process with Boostly right now getting my direct site up and going. So of of the 11 cabins, six of them, I'm still renovating. Um, and all those are in the Smoky Mountains. So I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row before I go live with those next six cabins and more than double my portfolio. Um, so that was part of my plan. And that's also why I recently switched over to Guesty for Pros, just so that as this thing scales and grows, um, I have better systems in place. And there's something which we, we often see from hosts is that as the size of your business changes, so does the needs. And then some of the softwares, which we we really love. And sometimes we get the question from people say, hey, which is the best software for us to use? Uh, is your, Which one's the best out there? And you go, well, what do you need? What size is your business? What's most important to you? Where is your market? And it's so personable um, that there's no, and just because it works for one host doesn't mean it works for yourself. Obviously, we've all got different preferences, layouts of menus that we prefer and uh, usability. Could you talk us through some of the things which you really felt um, changed when you switched from your old PMS to your new PMS? What was the features that you could go, do you know what? I'm so glad I switched because of X, Y, and Z. So I've actually swapped around several PMSs and and I feel like a lot of them had benefits and faults. Um, uh, one of them, uh, a while, and I forget which one it was, but one of them I really liked um, for the messaging. Hospitable? I think it was hospitable. Yeah. The thing that I couldn't get around is the statistics and the analytics of the actual revenue was not there. And um, I think we had to go to like a legacy uh, platform to look at the analytics and not all everything would go in there. I am maybe a little too obsessive over looking at that stuff, um, but that's kind of a deal breaker for me. So that was one of the reasons why I moved away from them. But the difference between Guessy from Host and Guessy for Pros is I was actually struggling with uh, automated communications with Verbo on Guesty for hosts. And what I realized is when I did my first two listings, it wasn't Verbo, it was home away. And then the next three listings, when I, there later on, they were set up on Verbo, not home yeah. away. It's the same company, but even though you set it up from one company, it still made a difference and it made it difficult for uh, my platform to automate the messages. So a lot of times it wouldn't send out my check-in instructions at all. And I'd have to scramble and kind of do it for them. Um, sometimes it would send an email versus going through the platform. Um, it was kind of like incon inconsistent. So when I got to Guesty for Pros, I brought the, this up as one of my my problems. And 
what we went through is we actually took the two listings that were started on HomeAway and we had Verbo swap them over so that everything's on Verbo. It's all consistent. And now all my automated messages, you know, it doesn't miss a beat. And it has all the statistics that I love. It has um, advanced features where giving people access, like I, I have a VA now, so I could give her access in a different way that I would have been able to in other PMSs and stuff like that. So I think all that stuff is super useful. It's really cool. And it's an interesting uh, sort of perspective that we don't often get to hear is when people switch PMS. If there's someone out there who hasn't got a PMS at the moment, what advice would you want to give them? Uh, I mean, if they're starting off with you know a handful of them, I, I actually really did like Guesty for Hosts, so I would definitely recommend them. It's it's a great platform, and and they're adding more and more features that Guesty for Pros Pros has. But the other thing I didn't really realize is, and I knew they bought a company, and then it became Guesty for Hosts. They kind of kept that platform as that, and then Guesty for Pros was its own platform, and mm -hmm. so. Um, they're still two separate platforms and they're slowly starting to implement a lot of the changes onto Guesty for hosts. So it is getting better and better throughout. So I think that's a really good one to start with. And it's good to hear as well, because I mean, the company used to be called Your Porter and they called it Guesty for Hosts. And it really confused things for a little while because there's Guesty for Hosts, Guesty Pro. But it's it's like you say, Guesty for Hosts really is for somebody who's getting started and and up to a certain size. I mean, you know, they say, I think Guesty even give them, say, you know, five, six properties, something like that. And then Guesty Pro is is the one, like you say, is when you're doing this as a mainstream business, you need the analytics, you need the communications. And, you know, you, you're often then also in a position where you've got a few properties, so you can afford to, to you know, upgrade the, the software side of things as well. Yes, exactly. Well, and, and, if, and if you're expanding the business and you do start to bring a team on, it has the capability of giving different people different access to it. And just because of that, I think it's helpful. Or if you want to expand and co-host for other hosts, you could do that and give owners only access to those properties. And it's it's pretty robust in those terms. So what, what I've really enjoyed from from hearing your story, Josh, uh, is the the actual you know going from the the health worries back in 2015 to where you are now, where you're buying you know or, or you're sorting out all these cabins, all these A-frames, and that. And just the difference there. So what advice, if you could go back and and tell yourself, what advice would you have for yourself about the journey and things that would maybe expedite or or maybe save you some of the challenges? Buy more. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, even though I was, I was scaling pretty quickly, there were some deals that I was hemming and hawing about and I still didn't know if everything was going to work. And I would get nervous about how much debt I was taking on not realizing that, you know, even a, a very low occupancy rate was going to pay for all of my mortgages. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like if I realized that earlier, then I would have expanded even quicker than I did. It's, it's, it's a great answer that because often speed is the key, but we don't know what we don't know until we, until yeah. we find it out. Do we? So, yeah. and then uh, just before we move on to our, our quick fire, what's the future of, of, of Bunkhouse look like? Well, I want to get these renovations done and get these cabins up and running. That's a big thing. Um, but also I have uh, partnered with four other investors and we're starting a fund to do short-term rentals and boutique hotels. So we're going to scale on a different level and kind of raise money and um, just buy a lot more so that we could all scale and, and make money both on our side and the investor side. 
amazing to hear so as we get towards the end of these we love to just do a couple of quick fire fun questions um answers can be as short as long as you like but they're just for fun so i've got to ask this because you mentioned you've done some producing tv and bits uh, bits pieces like that so who would play you if a movie was made about your life which actor uh that's a good question um the so i i actually get this a lot and this is just because of looks People think that I look like a younger Peter Gallagher. I don't know if you know who that is. I don't know. I'm going to no. Google him straight after this. And, I think, uh, yeah. I think oh. that's his name. I, I might be mixing it up now. But he was the father on the, the show, The OC. And yeah, a bunch of people say that I look just like him. So I think maybe he would play me. That's cool. Maybe he isn't. He's a little bit older than me, but anyways. If you could have a um, coaching call with anybody uh, in property or hospitality or or anybody at all really who would you most like to have an hours uh sort of coaching call with i think probably brandon turner um i feel like you know he's the og of bigger pockets and i like his positivity and i feel like my life and and my wife as well it's like we've been positive and that kind of got us through our sickness and kind of led us on this crazy journey of real estate and so I feel like positivity is such a big thing. And I feel like he's a very positive person. And I love that energy that he has. Good answer. Good answer. So we always end with this question, which is what motto or mantra do you live by or a saying which really resonates with you? Um, so this one is uh, uh, very near and dear to me because when I was, di- when I was diagnosed, um, my wife was at home with the kids and I was in the hospital and I woke up from, uh, you know, 12 hours of being in the ER with painkillers and whatnot. And I was kind of out of it. And there are two doctors sitting at the side of my, my bed. And they said, you know, we, we have some results back and you have pancreatic cancer. And I said, okay. And they said, do you understand what we're saying? And I said, yeah, but you know, yelling and screaming, is it going to fix that? I just need to call my wife. So I called my wife and I told her, and instead of her freaking out, she said, okay, let's figure this out. So I'd say my mantra is, okay, let's figure this out. Beautiful, beautiful. Love that. Yeah, that is um, what a poignant, you know, I've got goosebumps uh, thinking about that. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. And um, yeah, so there'll be people listening into this. I'm inspired by the journey. I'm sure others listening to this are as well. Where can we get in touch with you? Where can we follow you? Or where can we see uh, more about Bunkhouse as well? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Bunkhouse Worldwide. And so you could follow me there. You could DM me there. Um, I'm also on Bigger Pockets if you want to find my profile there. And on Facebook, um, I'm active in several uh, real estate groups including Boostly stuff. But um, yeah, you can reach out to me at any of those. Thank you so much, Josh, for sharing your journey. And I really feel that what I've taken away from this uh, podcast is the mindset, the positivity, and actually just going, hey, if you, you know, let's figure it out. I think you've said it best, you know, let's just, yeah. okay, let's figure this out. So um, is there any questions I've missed or any final thoughts before we bring things to a close? Um, not that I could think of. Uh, no, I think we we covered a good amount. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Josh. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you too for you. If you're listening in on the Boostly podcast, we know there's lots of places you can put your attention. And we thank you for putting it with Boostly. Hopefully you've picked up some good tips and, and been inspired by Josh's story today. And uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.